Bundesliga, La Liga, the English Premier League, all of these big-time entities, big, it's soccer, it's the biggest sport in the world. These leagues like English Premier League, the EPL, Bundesliga, La Liga, these things essentially, I think, dominate. If you were to look at it at a global scale, they dominate the NFL. They're humongous entities, uh, soccer that is. And you were wondering, what when did, when did these leagues start? Yeah, when did their normal season start? So if you're Bundesliga, that's Germany's professional league. If you're La Liga, that would be the professional league in Spain. If you're the English Premier League, obviously that's England. You know, it's, that's the UK, their big thing. They start anywhere from early to middle August and run until middle to late May. That's how that's their normal season. And what happened was a lot of these leagues, or all of them, I should say, got shut down due to COVID-19. And then they came together. And listen, when it comes to the NFL, have you ever seen an NFL game played without fans in the stands? No. In, I don't think anyone has. In soccer. Unless you lived in Jacksonville. <laughs> or if uh, or if you were a Niners fan for the past couple of years, uh, predating you know what happened last year or the year before. If you are a, uh, a fan of soccer, as I am, you've seen many matches played, they call it behind closed doors, without fans. Because a lot of fans, well, there's, there's these things called firms. They're essentially soccer gangs. They're diehard, hardcore fans. It's a gang, and they go around beating the hell out of other firms or gangs of other clubs. So they will go on the road, and they will beat the hell out of these guys. They'll try and sneak in flares to matches. They'll try and sneak in steel-tip darts, and they'll throw these steel-tip darts into the crowd of their other firms and gangs. They'll have all kinds of, and other clubs have been hit by racist chants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If a club can't control their own fans, then they will make their club play behind closed doors as punishment. So you will see soccer teams play without fans in the stands. That doesn't happen all the time. It's few and far between, but it does happen. I've seen many matches where there will be no fans in the stands. It's very eerie, very bizarre. So they're not they're not strangers to playing without fans, but they are strangers to a global pandemic, quote-unquote, and then shutting their doors and then coming back to play. So they, they came together and said, we can do this without fans in the stands. We'll just do a lot of testing, and we'll make sure all of our guys are good to go. See, so, I was just wondering because we saw how in America NBA is going to restart. Yeah. But like it sounds like all those different soccer leagues, they were already in midseason. Yeah. I was just wondering if there was a, a major sport out there that hadn't started yet. Oh, that hadn't started? And then all of a sudden – came together, came up with a plan, and got it rolling. Because that's that's where baseball's at. They still haven't well, yeah, been just, able to come up with the plan. It's just Major League Baseball. But I guess if you look at um, the Korean baseball organization, KBL, had they started yet before when the coronavirus hit? I wouldn't think so, but I, I don't know. I, I, but they got I it can't together. say I've ever followed KBO so. until watching it a couple times the last month or two. Yeah, I don't think that they had started yet, but they've, they found a way to figure it out. And get it going, but also when you look at South Korea, they they jumped on they jumped on the coronavirus early, didn't they? Do like pretty extreme restrictions at first, and they were back. They were only in lockdown for a couple of weeks, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, wasn't it about three four weeks? Like it wasn't that long, and then they're back at it. 
So yeah, that's interesting. I think Major League Baseball is the only one with their both sides, the uh, Players Association and the owners with their head up their ass. I think everyone else has took their heads firmly out of their asses and saw the light of day and said, okay, let's work together to get it done. I don't see the Players Association and the owners working together. The players just came out the other day and said that the owners are depriving America of baseball. Can't you say the same thing about the players that you're depriving America of baseball? Yeah, hundred percent. It's this 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 isn't this isn't a one way street here. You guys are both to blame. And they're saying the league cynical tactic of depriving America of baseball games in furtherance of their demand of unwarranted salary concessions is short sighted and troubling. Couldn't you say if the, okay if the players don't play at all this year? Won't the league even control more of the money and more of what's at stake the following years? Because they're going to have salaries are going to be reduced. You're not going to see these as giant salaries anymore. The owners, and you brought this up last week, Nelly, the owners are going to have the power and the players are going to start bitching how they need to have more money next year, right? Yep. And down, down the line, right? Yeah. Because we've talked about it before. Major League Baseball is like any other company in the economy. This pandemic or this lack of season, could hurt them for years and years down the road. Mm-hmm. They say before the pandemic, the players were set to earn about $4 billion in salaries, not including signing bonuses, termination pay, and option buyouts. Under the March 26th agreement, when it was uh, they were trying to agree on the prorated deals, that would be cut to that $4 billion in a normal year, that would be cut to around $2 billion in an 82-game season. So there's already... Half off the table. Major League Baseball's offer would lower salaries to $1.2 billion plus the $200 million for the postseason. The union's proposal would leave salaries at $2.8 billion. What, what will happen is contract those big $300 million contracts, they won't be handed out in the future. Mm-mm. Plus, you're going to have teams that are going to try and cut salary just in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Well, you already had teams cutting like, salary. Look at what the Brewers. Look at what the Brewers have were doing going into this. And season. that was already before. That was before the pandemic. That was before. That was when they thought it was going to be a normal year. And now you're going to have the smallest market in baseball. Not have any gates, which they actually do in the top third. Mm-hmm. The Brewers, that is, for gates and obviously food and concessions. Man, now they're not going to have that. I'll say right now. Uh, yeah, Major League Baseball ballpark dog sounds pretty good right now. I could go for a hot dog right now or a brat. Uh, the deputy commissioner does say, quote, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, is committed to playing baseball in 2020. He has started discussions with ownership about staging a shorter season without fans. Assuming that those discussions go well, we will notify you at the appropriate time of our intentions. And that was the deputy commissioner. And Major League Baseball claims that by playing in empty ballparks, it would lose $640,000 for each game. The union has then challenged Major League Baseball's analysis of that. (laughs) Major League Baseball claims by playing in empty ballparks, it would lose $640,000 for each game. Now, is that each game and each... Is that each team? Each team... A game would lose six hundred forty thousand dollars. A game? That's insane. If that's 
if that's true. And the union obviously wants to know more and just challenge their analysis of it. Okay, so I just did the math. You said $640,000? For each game. That's what Major League Baseball claims. We would have to figure out an average attendance. But if it was an average attendance of 20000 in a ballpark... That means every person would have to spend $32. I feel like that's pretty realistic. Yeah, that is very real. That is definitely very realistic. All right, here's um let's go to the Brewers average attendance. The Brewers average attendance in 2019, they were 8th in the league and they averaged uh 36,090 fans a game. For so, a total of almost 3 million. So if you do that math, that means each individual fan in that stadium. I don't know if this would be counting or not counting ticket sales, but they would have to spend about $18. Oh my god, that's in, that's incredible. That's like two beer that's that's a beer and a hot dog. And if you're at a ballpark, that's, that's their average a, attendance. If I'm at if I'm at the ballpark, I'm definitely getting a beer and I'm definitely getting a dog now or that, a brat. Like I said, I don't know if and that I'm going to get a couple more beer after that. If that that probably doesn't include ticket, I'm going to guess. But I think it's still pretty easily. That's eighteen bucks $18. a person, dude. Yeah, no, okay. Then what? The major league baseball, the the union says we need to see more. We don't believe your analysis. You just broke it. It's eighteen dollars a person. That's if you could go to the ballpark and just spend eighteen dollars. I yeah, think you're by, feeling, yeah. I think you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah, right? if you can go to the ballpark and say you already had your ticket bought and then you spent eighteen dollars, just, at just a game, eighteen dollars, you could easily do that. If you were spending just eighteen dollars, that's a good day at the ballpark. If you're still spending eighteen dollars, having a good time, right? What 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 would you think you normally spend? I bet you I'd drop at least minimum thirty bucks if I'm at the game. Oh, while you're at the game, yeah, you got to go at least two or three beers. Yep, and food, and that's that's probably forty bucks. If you're going, let's say you're going, let's do it a little, let's do a conservative. Two beers and it's thirty dollars probably, and a brat or a hot dog. That's thirty bucks. <laughs> We need to see more. What do you need to see, Major League, the, the union? What do you need to see? Let's go to the phones quick. 608-321-67. Hey, who do I got? Who's this? Hey, it's Nick. Hey, Nick. What's up, bro? Not much. How are you guys doing? Well, long time no talk. I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Uh, just coming back from uh, swimming out in front of Lake Minona. How'd it go? Uh, it, it's murky, but, you know, it, it, it's clear water. And, you see any muskies? Um, dead ones. <laughs> oh no, that's a shame. Yeah. How many miles no, do you swim, Nick? Uh, about two. That a boy, Nick. What's up, uh, dude? What's on your so mind? So, on your analogies, on your numbers, there. Um, got to keep in mind they got expenses. So, eighteen dollars a person, you're going to add in expenses. You know, they for every person's probably got to spend at least about forty to fifty dollars because of the expenses associated with run, operating a building that big. Um, you know, air conditioning. Well, although the brewers never turn on the freaking air conditioning. <laughs> um, you know, the electricity, the the, the sure. employees, you know, payroll, whatever it is. And, and but but then to counter that, kind of go with you guys. Clearly, there's no kids involved here because you cannot spend eighteen dollars oh a God, person. I I, you go to a ballpark with, you know, for us it's three kids and my wife. That's five of us. I guarantee we can't walk out of there, and this doesn't include tickets. We can't walk out of there without spending at least two to three hundred bucks. I know you need like a small loan to go to a ballpark. Minimum, now. no kidding. I mean, you got parking, you've got a drink, you've got 
you know, a, a dog, you, you know, God forbid everybody wants a friggin' souvenir that's going to get thrown in the <laughs> that's trash why, by Nick, the time That's you why get you home. get the nachos and the helmet. So you have food and a souvenir. Yeah, I, I just, I don't understand where either side of this is coming from in regards to, you know, complaining about their, you know, oh, my money, oh, this, oh, that. You realize that the country is struggling right now at 13.3% right. unemployment. We need a little bit of sanity. Give us our baseball back. At least basketball is smart enough to say we're going to give you a, an abbreviated season. It's not going to be in your home court, but at least you can watch it on television. Right. Baseball's got to be smart about this. Yeah, they're, they're losing me, Nick. But come next year, let's say they don't have a season, because I don't think they're going to have a season. Come next year, opening day, are you going to be watching? Are you going to forgive them immediately? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I can't. I mean, uh, after the strike in the 90s, it was more of a, you know, clearly a money grab, and they lost so much interest not i mean among as many people as i know and that was just that was actually coming i think right off keep in mind i'm a twins fan that was coming off <laughs> the twins world series yeah and that completely lost a lot of the fan base and it's like you're you're clearly in this for the money yeah and, and, and i get it a lot of people are in sports for the money the pros are in it for the money but why did you get into the sport in the first place you it's... got into it for the love you know, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, soccer, pick your sport. Well, what do they call money, Nick? It. It's the root of all evil. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I, <laughs> and here I said I work in finance, so I can't really hey, complain about it. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, Nick. That's why you're there, in finance. There we go. But <laughs> nice talking with you guys. Nice hearing from you, man. Long time to talk. Nah, sounds good. I'll call in a little bit more. I love it, man. We'll talk to you later. Later, bro. See you, Nick. All right, Scotty, you be waiting in the wings there. We'll get your music trivia coming up. But yeah, Nick, I mean, Nick, what he just said, doesn't that add to the money thing and of how just asinine the the union sounds? Well, yeah, when we were talking about, you know, going to a game, we've already been on a party bus. We've already had. We should have had two party buses by we now. We already had some food and drinks, yeah. and then we went to the stadium and bought more. Yeah. We're not even talking about having any kids or anything. Exactly. So we're being robbed of Major League Baseball, obviously. Wasn't it kind of just sad and depressing this weekend? You're sitting around watching TV and thinking to yourself, or at least for me anyways, I should be watching the Brewers right now. I should be watching the Brewers spank the hell out of whatever team was on their schedule at the time. I just, In my mind, it was them just beating the crap out of the Cubs. But wasn't it sad? Wasn't it sad for you guys? No Brewers to watch. Beautiful, nice summer day. You think of the boys of summer. I know Nelly and, and Big Joe were hanging out in Utica watching some some Stoughton take on Utica and home talent baseball. Didn't it miss? Didn't it make you miss the Brewers, Nell? Yeah, it did. And we even had a conversation. Oh, yeah. Normally around this time, we'd be trying to skedaddle on home to catch the Brewer game. <laughs> Apparently not. No, nope, no, it's not. Not yesterday. Well, you know what I was excited about for this upcoming season was to watch someone like oh I don't know Christian Yelich come back and and start putting that wood to that ball and saying, I should be MVP again. Should have been MVP again last year before my knee shattered. Like I, We were, were getting deprived of an all-time generational player who signed a team-friendly deal. When's the last time you've seen a generational talent sign a team-friendly deal? Sign a team-friendly deal with the Brewers. Legitimately want to be here and them working on something, them building something. We're robbed of it. Was Christian Yelich was something very exciting for me that I think we all wanted to see for the Brewer season, right? Yeah. Nelly? That would be one of them. What's another one? Brandon Woodruff? 
Brandon Woodruff. He could be that see, guy, that ace. See what Ryan Braun would do in his last year. Progression of Keston Hira. Keston Hira is a big one. I would say see a little more of Josh Hader. Yeah, what is what is Josh Hader now? Is it the guy that struggled the second half of the season, or is he the guy that's been lights out the last two and a half years? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of storylines for the Brewers that we're being Corey deprived Knable of. Coming back too, Corey Knable, yeah, Knable. was, was yeah. due back in May. Because remember, with his what did he have? Tommy Johns. Yep. Tommy Johns. That threw the bullpen in the closing role, obviously. Right away for that season, you're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And then things that you have to adapt and change on the fly, but the Brewers were still, you know, right there. Have Knable coming back. What else? Could could fastball Freddie? Freddie Peralta wasn't all accounts. Didn't Freddie have a new pitch? Yeah, supposedly had a slider. He had a slider now. Corbin Burns was pitching well. And maybe what was Corbin Burns? Remember when he was a starter last year? And we're like, dude, this guy only got two pitches. He's working on a third. And he's getting shelled. <laughs> <laughs> and now, by all accounts, he had a third pitch as well, same as fastball Brewers, Freddy. Brewers traded out one Korean baseball organization MVP for another. Yeah, uh-huh. Josh Lindblom. For, we had Eric Thames, the KBO MVP, and then we got Lindblom, the KBO MVP. What could Lindblom do? Who was that guy that was fighting for his life for first uh, base in spring training? He was doing really good, Rowdy. Who was that guy again? Lomo. Logan Morrison? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's so many cool storylines we're now being deprived of. For just the Milwaukee Brewers, how many times could they beat the snot of the Chicago Cubs? You know, it was opening day. Every time. Opening day was Cubs-Brewers. We had a party bus for the well, second game. they definitely would have won opening day because why not? And then <laughs> the second day, a.k.a. that Saturday, they definitely would have won because it was a Joe Nebo party bus. Yeah. We had the Yankees coming to Miller Park. Didn't we have a Yankees party bus now? We did. That was in late May. We were deprived of that. There are so many things we've been deprived of. And you know, I started thinking about this when I saw my guy Nelly over here like this tweet from Jim Bowden saying that Mike Trout in his prime. We're missing Cole's debut with the Yanks. Bets with the Dodgers. Pujols chase off Ruth. Grinky's chase of 3,000 Ks. Now, about Pujols, you brought it up, Nelly. I thought he, I thought he was bringing up gambling and baseball, but I forgot Mookie Betts is now a Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, different kind of bets. Yeah. <laughs> B-E-T-T-S, not B-E-T-S. <laughs> what were you saying about Albert Pujols? Because, actually, he's not his late 30s. He's just turned 40. Yeah. yeah. And RJ's like, well, how close is he to Babe Ruth? Well, he, he's about, what was it? 60-ish. Yeah, I think we said six, 60 he's, to get to 714. Yeah, he's a little less than 60 home runs away from Babe Ruth. Well, he's only under contract for this year and next year, and he's 40. So that's probably... It's going to be hard to do. Yeah, that's going to be extremely hard to do, especially even if they do play a season and it's 50 to 60 games this year, and then he's got next year. Because they're paying him a boatload of money. You know mm-hmm. they're going to be playing him. He's still at least an all right player. Yeah. But you're not gonna you're not gonna pay him that much. And how much would you be willing to pay him, if at all, after his skills continue to diminish the next two years at age forty two? So how much right. how much farther does he have to go to get to Ruth? Roughly sixty home runs. So he needs this season bad. He would need or he needed this season, I should yes. say. Man, could you be imagine being Albert Pujols? You're you're chasing a legend, Babe Ruth, and it gets whoop, pulled out right from under you. Man, Pujols, when it comes to a, like a pure hitter, fifty eight. He's fifty eight. Fifty eight behind. Away. Oh yeah, so he needed the season bad. 
How would you feel if you were over Pujols? And that's extremely doable for Pujols because I think lately he's been hitting 25 to 30 home runs a year. Yeah. So that would have been right around that two year. And he's going to get – Do you, how long do you think Pujols got left in him? Doesn't, isn't his Probably deal two that. years? Probably that. He's got two left on his current contract. God. I feel bad for the guy, man. What about, you know, do you think Zach Granke is chase of 3,000 Ks? Do you think he even cares? No. No, he doesn't. If he, he doesn't care it, at he'll all. He'll be like, okay. Zach Granke is one of the <laughs> is one of the most interesting stories in all of Major League Baseball. I remember, uh, God, it was a while ago we were reading Zach Granke stories months and months and months ago when Granke was getting called up to be a pitcher. He's like, well, do you think I could actually get called up and play a shortstop? Like, dude, you're getting your moment to be a pitcher. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I think I might wait though. But can I like I would like to play in the infield actually. Like <laughs> dude, you're getting called up to chase your dream of being a major league pitcher. You know. Do you think I could play in the infield though? It's like, dude, as your agent, I highly suggest that you take this opportunity to pitch. <laughs> well, I guess. Zach Granke is one of the most interesting cats out there. And I love watching him play. Just yeah, former brewer, but also the fact that he so just doesn't care. Doesn't care. And, Nelson, how about this? Generational talent, Mike Trout. You want to talk about Babe Ruth? You want to talk about some of the all-timers? Where does Mike Trout stack up with the greats of the game? Well, you know how some people on here say Ryan Braun is the greatest brew of all time? Mm-hmm. Mike Trout's career war is over 30 points higher than Ryan Braun's. <laughs> Mike Trout's 28. <laughs> Mike Trout is a living legend. He's really got to market himself better. Yeah, and you're the baseball commissioner. You know, I think Trout's market himself better. Isn't, okay. that, isn't that your job as the league to do that? So in eight full seasons, he's an eight-time All-Star. He's a Rookie of the Year. He's a seven-time Silver Slugger Award winner. And he's never finished below fourth in MVP voting. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, and that's three MVPs. Four runner-ups and a fourth. <laughs> it's not Was that good. the year he got injured? It was the fourth? Yeah, that would be correct. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, and in that season, he still hit 306 with 33 home runs, 72 RBIs, 22 stolen bases, and was walked 94 times. <laughs> and he only played 114 games. <laughs> it's absolutely hey, crazy. Enough to qualify. <laughs> like, when you, when you can decide whether you want to hit 300 – Hit 40 home runs or steal 40 bases? Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty good, eh? You're okay. All while you walk roughly 100 times a season? <laughs> when it's all said and done, Nelly, will Mike Trout go down as one of the greatest in the history of baseball to ever play if he's not kind of already? I feel like he could quit right now. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. He could quit right now, and you still have to put him in those discussions as one of the better players of all time. Yeah. Definitely. And the craziest thing about it is, and we've said this a few times, and I totally think it's spot on. If Mike Trout were to just be wearing jeans and a t-shirt and he walks down State Street or somewhere downtown Madison, out of 10 people, how many think know who he is? Nelson. One out of 10? Yeah, yeah, maybe one. (laughs) Maybe one? Yeah. And if Nelson's not down there, zero out of 10? And the weird thing is, it's like one of the, the sports we have where, you know, you see their faces, like basketball and baseball you see their faces and like you should recognize them whereas like mm-hmm. you know a football player takes his helmet off and you're like oh 
did not expect him to look like that. You know, <laughs> like when you meet a guy, you're like, you look so different when you have a helmet on. Like baseball, the only thing you see, like maybe you didn't expect their hairstyle to be a certain way. Yeah, but like, oh, I mean, you, you see their face. I it's, just saw this. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say it's pretty crazy when he's 21 years old and he had one of the best offensive war seasons ever, mm-hmm. and he still didn't even win MVP that year. So this article is from April of 2019. Babe Ruth batted 342 for his career. Hank Aaron batted 305. Barry Bonds batted 298. Mike Trout, his batting average. Did you still have the stats up for Mike Trout, Rowdy? Yep. What's his batting average right now? 305. <laughs> That's what Hank Aaron batted for his career. I don't think Babe Ruth's going to be touchable at 342, but Trout's already better than Barry Bonds, already just as good as Hank Aaron. It's, in, it's incredible. Let's go to the phones. 608-321-1670. Welcome on into the show. Who do I got? You got your Maytag man, right? Yeah. Hey, what's up, brother? Dude, you guys are talking Trout, man. He, he, look, Mike Trout's going to go down as one of the top five greatest players of all time. Yep. All time. Zach? Zach? Hit a, hit a bad spot. Here's the thing, Zach. We're up against the break. That's okay, though. You call back in. Well, to share your message, and we'll get it after this commercial. Right I mean, how many guys can say that if they retired today, that in basically eight plus seasons, you're an eight time All Star? It's nuts. It's nuts. We're watching, I should say, we were watching greatness. Now we're getting robbed of it. <laughs> One thing we were excited Mike Trout, I don't care what fan you are of who you are a fan of. Mike Trout is incredible. I'm going to go out on a limb and say. More casual fans were impressed by Mike Trout's driving ability at a golf range yeah. than any of his other than any of his other highlights because they just yeah. don't see it. All right, Rowdy. So over the weekend, something else you had did. You watched the UFC Saturday. How was it? Yeah, I just watched the the free stuff. I normally don't buy the pay per view unless we're going out to uh, an establishment or I've only actually bought two. Was it money well spent? Those one, those two you bought. Actually, the one wasn't that great, but I, it is what it is. Yeah. it's hit or miss. It's fighting. Well, you bought that one. We were in the grips of all this nonsense, right? No, I, this was years ago. Oh, it was years ago. Okay, I haven't bought. I haven't actually bought any. So you've been watching the. How was the free stuff though? It was pretty cool. It was pretty good. It was yeah. all right. There's some good ones. It's it better than nothing, right? Yeah, it's better than watching reruns of games. You already know what's going to happen. Yeah, totally. And then I saw this kind of leak out. Some information came out. We've been talking about this when this coronavirus, COVID-19 first hit and everything was shut down. Dana White, UFC president, was very vocal about buying an island and turning it into what he calls it, Fight Island, UFC Fight Island. So if the world ever shuts down again and they can't have sport Dana White would fly to his island where he'd built infrastructure and said, screw you to everyone that told him what he could and couldn't do. And he would have his own fights on Fight Island because it was out of the jurisdiction of the U.S. of A. And he would just go and make money. Well, he bought an island. He started building infrastructure on it. And we always were wondering where that island was. Right, Nelson? Weren't, weren't we like, yeah, like, where it was like is a, this island? It was a big secret. That had to be kept, so it wasn't uh, stomped out. But how cool of an idea was it 
to essentially build your own kind of infrastructure, build your own little settlement, build your own, uh, I don't know, fighting economy, if you will, a fight island. Have an octagon out on the beach, hotels there, places to train, et cetera, et cetera, and not let people in positions of power who have their heads so far jammed up their ass that they don't know what to do, and why not live your own life? Dana White bought an island. Nelson, guess what? It's been leaked of where the island is. Are you ready for it? Have you heard of Abu Dhabi? I've heard of it. I couldn't point to it on a map. (laughs) Abu Dhabi is where Fight Island is going to be. It's not, they say right here, Fight Island's events is not some location in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Instead, it's well-known city by the UFC fans. Abu Dhabi, the United Arab Emirates capital, is home to a plethora of islands. Some of those, in fact, already hosted UFC events in the past. The last one was UFC 242. That took place on Yaz Island, uh, September 7, 2019. And during that fight, uh, Khabib defended his lightweight belt against... Was it Dustin Poirier? Did I say that name right? Sure. Nailed it. So Dana White's got his own island in Abu Dhabi, and he's built infrastructure on it, and allegedly the date has leaked out. July 11th is going to be Fight Island, the christening of it. Yeah, I saw probably sometime last week that that date of July 11th was kind of the uh, date that was floating around. Mm-hmm. Obviously, no one had heard of a location until, I believe, this weekend. Yeah, this weekend it slipped out. Dana White talking about it. So people who are fight- fighters who do fly into Abu Dhabi for Flight Island. Did I say Flight? Fight Island. As soon as you land, you will be tested upon arrival for COVID-19, but there is no forced isolation for two weeks. It's only recommended to stay in self-isolation until the results of your test are out. And some of those tests are pretty rapid now, right? You can know it in a couple hours. So just after the end of UFC 250, Dana White was asked about the now-disclosed location. He didn't essentially confirm it, though, but he did say, I will announce this week, and I will show you pictures, and I'll give you a lot more information on Fight Island. And he's received a lot of criticism and blowback too. Yeah, I would love since to, all this started. I would love to play some of his interviews, but I I don't I didn't have the time to edit them all because there is a lot of f bombs, <laughs> and the, I don't want to. The dump button's been used a lot lately. I don't want it to keep smoking. So yeah, what's essentially what's Dana White I, been saying? I love what Dana White's doing. Same. Uh, he's in a super tough position, just because the company that bought UFC is struggling financially. Mm-hmm. So, and then at the same time, ESPN bought the rights for UFC. So he's got to pump out these fights. He's mm-hmm. got to he's got to honor their contract, and yet still make the company that owns the UFC money because they're hemorrhaging money. Yeah. So he's got to continue to put these on, and he's been for the most part figuring ways to go about doing that. And I know if you've listened to any of his um, press conferences, he talks about how he hasn't laid any fighter off he hasn't laid any employees off yeah he's still just he's still he's, rocking. he's still just trying to crank out fights make a profit and employ these people and if you look at it he goes i'm not i'm not making anyone fight that doesn't want to fight this is all their choice and yep they fight and they get paid yep see and now when some of the superstars or the big names are starting to come at them for raises yeah they want raises 
They want more just, money. That's just such a tough spot for UFC and well, Dana White. What has Dana White said, though, about giving people Basically, raises? it's not happening. Like, you signed a contract, it's not happening. My question is, how would it happen? You're, as Dana White had said, you're in a global pandemic. We, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Isn't that essentially what he said? Basically, and I, I agree with the fighters, and I also agree with Dana White. Now, how can you agree with both? <laughs> because, like I said, he's in a tough position right here. But at the same time, isn't that pretty bad optics that you're asking for more money during a pandemic? Yeah, when 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 money's lot, hard to come by. Yeah, right and now. a lot of people are laid off, and at the same time, your company is hemorrhaging money. The only people making money like crazy are billionaires who own huge corporations, like essentially Jeff Bezos. He's set to be the first trillionaire now after this pandemic. Now, should fighters get more, a bigger percentage of the revenue? Yes. Yes. But now is not the time to try and go about doing that. So my question for you, Nelly, is let's move it forward. Fight Island, pretty cool, pretty big event, right? Wouldn't it make sense to have someone like Khabib or a McGregor or both of them or someone of that stature to kind of break it in? Well, I mean, McGregor just retired. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. If you believe that. So Conor McGregor on the June 6th, that was Saturday, tweeted this out. Hey, guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you for all the amazing memories. What a ride it's been. Here's a picture of myself and my mother in Las Vegas post one of my world title wins. Pick the home of your dreams, Mags. I love you. Whatever you desire, it's yours. And then a picture of him and his mom. Obviously, Conor McGregor sounds a lot different than how I just read it, but I don't want to butcher the dude's uh, accent. So Conor McGregor has retired again. Yeah, if you believe that, I got a bridge in Brooklyn for sale. <laughs> do, he, you, he, like, do you believe him? No. Not even for a second. I mean, what are... Actually, this is his third time. I'm, I'm looking right here. Right here. April 19th of 2016. I have decided to retire young. Thanks for the cheese. Catch you as later. Conor McGregor. Then in 2019... Hey guys, quick announcement. I decided to retire from the sport formerly known as mixed martial art today. I wish all my old colleagues well going forward in competition. I now join my former partners on this venture already in retirement. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. And then obviously Saturday, the one I just read, he's retiring again. So is third time the charm, Nelly? Or will Flight Island, July 11th, we'll see McGregor run run out at Abu Dhabi ready to get it going. Who's probably the best promoter in the fight game right now. Conor McGregor. Yeah, for sure. What are Jorge Masvidal and John Jones doing? They want bigger contracts, right? Yes. But they're being vocal and coming out against Dana White in the UFC. John Jones is so ready to fight. Through. I saw him take down a guy, an Antifa protester who was spray painting stuff. John Jones went and like threatened to kick his ass if he didn't give yeah, him his spray paint cans. They're doing it on social media. They're doing it in interviews. What is McGregor doing? Guarantee you he just retired so that he can go negotiate a new deal. He's doing it behind the scenes. Probably, yeah. Well, I guarantee you that's what he's doing. He he knows, he wasn't knows he he's just not drumming done. Up, wasn't he just drumming up a fight with Khabib again? He knows he's not done. What he's doing is going back and negotiating behind closed doors instead of coming out publicly and saying it. Wasn't he just talking about fighting Khabib again? I mean, wasn't that was wasn't Masvidal of, talking about k- killing him? 
Wasn't that Masvidal? There's, there's been a few different fights on the table for him, but what I think is happening is he wants to fight probably sometime in July, mm-hmm. if I had to guess, and he wants he wants the interim belt because Habib is basically stuck in Russia, and then I think his dad was his dad either passed away or is in bad dad, shape. Yeah, his dad got hit with the Rones, I think. So. What I think Conor McGregor's trying to do is weasel his way into a interim fight between Justin Gaethje. Yeah. And they're saying, from what I'm gathering, I don't think the UFC wants to do it, but they want to wait for Habib to come back All right, in so, September. Nelly, before but we hit McGregor the break, doesn't want that. Before we hit the break here, our guy it's from Vegas. It's a negotiating tactic. Our guy from Vegas, Raphael from uh, mybookie.ag, VSI, Doc Sports. Raphael sent us Conor McGregor props. Will Conor McGregor fight in 2020-2021? Your odds on favorite right now are BKFC at plus 125. Fighting in the UFC is plus 150. Or he tries his hand at boxing at plus 300. Well, that's the other thing. Of course, who tweets at him? Floyd Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. About a second fight. So, out of... BKFC at plus 125, the UFC at plus 150, or boxing at plus 300. What would you put your money down on? UFC. Plus 150. They say, will Conor McGregor quote-unquote wrestle in WWE or the AEW event in 2020? It must be an official wrestling match. Plus is, or yes is plus 200, and no is minus 300. I think he gets his way and he ends up fighting sometime in July. In UFC? Yes. And you, you don't see him in WWE or the AEW? No. No. I think you see him fighting Floyd Mayweather for a second a second round before you see him going uh, to WWE or any of that fake stuff. And then here's this. Wait, what's fake? Do you, what's fake? What do you mean? What, what do you mean fake stuff? Do you think, what's fake? Do you think Conor McGregor could handle a scripted WWE thing? He punches old guys in bars. What do you mean scripted? What do you mean fake you think, wait, are you saying that thing was scripted of him punching that old man in that bar in Ireland was fake and scripted? Or he just wouldn't take a shot of his proper whiskey? Oh, McGregor that, just got mad. That's definitely should not scripted. Should you say McGregor should hang it up because he popped a 70-year-old dude in the face at a bar and that guy at the bar didn't not, he didn't get KO'd. He sat there in the bar stool, took it like a man, then I think he took another shot. Yeah, but... Should he retire then because he couldn't even knock out a 78-year-old man? Local patrons at the bar said they actually were unsure if they knocked him out or not because that guy normally sleeps at that stool. <laughs> and how about this bet before we hit break? Will Conor McGregor announce that he's unretired on Twitter in 2020? Yes is plus 200 and no minus 300. He's not retired. I would hammer that yes plus 200. Hammer that yes, Rowdy. There's a nice little... uh Bet for you. Proposition. Yes, plus 200. I think I'd throw down on that. He's 31 years old. McGregor's only 31? Yeah. Man. He's younger than you. Man, I thought he was older than me. I don't know. I've got to fact check that. He's 31. July 14th, 1988. you got a birthday coming up. Wow. He still has. He still has four solid years left. Oh, yeah. He's he's one of the smartest dudes out there when it comes to self-promotion. But I'll say this, though. If he comes back and boxes Floyd Mayweather, I'm not watching. I quit. I'm <laughs> done with him. I said you should have stayed retired. 
the most boring, who gives a crap, is boxing between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. It sucks. It's not even entertaining. I don't want to see two dudes hug for that long. Do you? I'll say I, he did a lot better than I thought he was going to do in that fight. Yeah. I want to see Floyd Mayweather in the octagon. I think that should be next. Let's get that at Fight Island. July 11th, Mayweather, McGregor, Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> NFL Friday, Matt LaFleur. Trek back into Lambeau Field. They're letting personnel, coaches, some players get back in. Still a lot of them doing virtual workouts, virtual whatever. Matt LaFleur said it was good to be back. Start working on the 2020 campaign. And speaking of the 2020 campaign, I saw this CBSSports.com front page. NFL's 2020 breakout team. These players are ready to make the leap in year number two. Nelson for the Green Bay Packers. They have it right here when it comes to tight ends in the league. Out of the NFC North, they say TJ Hawkinson for the Lions is a breakout candidate. And then this one for the Green and Gold. Jace Sternberger. Do you think Jace Sternberger is ready for a breakout campaign for his second year? I guess he can only go anywhere but up because he was hurt for the majority of the year. And then, what, he got into that playoff game. Did he score a touchdown against? He did. Yeah, he got one touchdown in the playoffs. Is Jace Sternberger set for a breakout campaign with uh, after the Packers parted ways with Jimmy Graham? And then, I guess, Sternberger's tabbed as the guy. Now, put aside any uh, any you know thoughts and feelings you have on Sternberger, because I know he spurned us a couple times of interviews. Tisk tisk tisk. Try to put that aside. But is Sternberger the guy who is set for a breakout campaign for the Green Bay Packers? Well, you'd have to imagine that he's got to be at least up there for skilled positions with the Green Bay Packers, right? Because mm-hmm. who else do you think is a good candidate to break out this year at the skilled position? I mean, if we just go right down the well, list. My silence, I think, says a lot. Devontae, I'm, I'm, are, are we thinking of year two or just in general? Just for in general. We know Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Lazard, I guess. We, we know that Aaron Jones has shown a lot of flashes and then last year kind of put it all together, right? Yeah. Those are your two biggest offensive weapons. Then if we... I say for if year... If we look at guys outside of that, <laughs> who who jumps off the page to you? Jay Sternberger's got to be right up there. He has, if yeah, he has to be the one. I guess if you go on the vein that CBS Sports says right here for year two breakouts, I know it's the second year. You didn't see much from him, but you're hoping you see a breakout. It's the first round pick, twelfth overall of 2019, Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's got to be set for a breakout campaign to justify being picked twelfth in the first round. The product out of Michigan, Nelly. Gag me. True, but wouldn't you say to get the most out of that draft class, which was in 2019, you need Rashawn Gary to have a breakout campaign? Sure, but you could argue that for pretty much any draft class that wasn't that great and the first pick has not done anything. Okay, I, they say they say Jay Sternberger is the one set for a breakout one. Jay Sternberger was selected in the third round, 75th overall. Rashawn Gary was selected in the first round, 12th 
overall. Like he's a guy. He's the guy that has to have. And that's a breakout campaign at that position. Number twelve. You expect that guy to come in and instantly make an impact, which, which is the reason why the pick never made sense after you just signed the Smith brothers. A lot of Goody's picks kind of don't make sense, eh? Leave you scratching your head a little bit. Now, they do have here, there is another Packer on this breakout. These 22 players were set to break out for year number two. Rashawn Gary is not listed on it. The only other Packer would be right here, offensive guard Jenkins. Elton Jenkins played really well in spurts, but there was some inconsistency in his play. His ability to be physical and dominate opposing players as a rookie was impressive. Green Bay will need the lineman to continue his progression following a parting of ways with veteran offensive tackle Brian Bulaga. Awa. What do you feel about that one? Man, I thought Jenkins was probably the the best rookie. Now these are the guys year. that have the breakout sophomore year. I I just can't believe Rashawn Gary's not listed on this. I guess he is buried in that depth chart a little bit though. But not really anymore. Like you obviously you have the Smith brothers. You have Kyler or Kyler Fackrell has since moved on. Yeah. He was what, fourth behind Fackrell in those rotations? Yeah, what's Fackrell on now? The Giants, same as Martinez. Yeah, he signed as, with the Giants. Yeah, he's the third guy. He's the he'd be the first guy off the bench, I guess you would say, behind the Smith brothers. So th- this is prime for Rashawn Gary to have a breakout, then, yeah. Yeah, he ha- he has if to. He, if he doesn't, he's it's more tabbed to that bust. Uh, Dom sixty nine. Mitch says Gary is the top non-starter for sure, so he's gonna get snaps, more snaps. But he's a tweener. That's what the Packers always fall into is those tweener kind of guys. Who would you – all right, so let's say if this person, year number two, has more success, it means better for the Green Bay Packers. It bodes well more for the Green Bay Packers. Rashawn Gary or Jay Sternberger? Jay Sternberger. Just for another weapon for Rodgers? Yeah. The Packers' defense was what? Probably middle of the road-ish? Yeah, it was middle of the road. Rashawn Gary didn't really have an impact at all. The offense, pretty middle of the road ish. Yeah. Who carried him more? Who carried him farther? But the who de- would you give the edge for for getting to an NFC Championship game? The offense or the defense? The defense. Yeah. And what's one thing we've always complained about for the past God two decades for the Green Bay Packers? Is it a lack of defense? Like if you were if you were going down the list and you can name okay. Here are your best offensive players. Here are your best defensive players. Don't you think Jay Sternberger is going to come in higher on that list for offensive playmakers versus defensive playmakers? Yeah. Or for, or for where Sean Gary would come in? Yeah. I think you need him more. You don't have very many Makes weapons. Sense. Makes you sense. got Devontae Adams. You got Aaron Jones. And then it's basically wide open. You can name a lot more stars or better players on the defensive size and one you can just start with two smiths (laughs) the bros the smith bros we'll continue this conversation for that's not even talking about amos yeah savage yep jair alexander yep yeah get in here all right so nelly start thinking of this 
other breakout players. It doesn't have to be year two, but I know you were kind of just were spouting them off a little bit, but thinking more breakout players for the Green Bay Packers is going to bode well for their success. By the way, we didn't plan this at all. Just happened to work out this way. I'm rocking my Green Bay Packers t-shirt today. Got the green and gold. It's green. Predominantly green. My man Nelly is rocking his Green Bay Packers hoodie today. Yeah, this is the uh, designated sweatshirt for the week. Yeah, because it gets colder colder than a witch's titty in here in the studio. Not too bad today. But Nelson, we didn't even plan it out. We didn't even call each other and phone ahead. All right, so breakout players, year two for the green and gold. CBSSports.com, they have it real simple. There's two on their list. Tight end, Jay Sternberger. And right here, offensive guard, Elton Jenkins. Out of those two, Nelson... Is it back to Sternberger again? Sternberger's the guy, if he's got the breakout year two, that means more success. Or is it Jenkins, if he's got the breakout year, you're prolonging Aaron Rodgers and his protection, and then him being able to find other guys to make the offense go. I think it's got to be Sternberger, right? Because I don't know about you, but in my mind, Elton Jenkins had a pretty darn good season. I don't know how you would expect him to really break out more than that. Right? Yeah. And it, how much more can he break out besides becoming like a pro bowler? Like he was extremely good for a rookie. Yeah, very solid. Same with uh, Darnell Savage. I know they're expecting more from him. Obviously, you want these players to continue to take steps. But yeah, Jenkins and Savage played extremely well as big time as rookies last year, being thrown right into the fire. And the only reason why we didn't get more Sternberger is because he was hurt. But we were very excited for Sternberger and what was supposed to be his production in 2019. Obviously, didn't get any because he was hurt, but weren't entering that season. I was pumped when they drafted Sternberger, and I was excited to see what he brought to the table offensively. Obviously, didn't get to see that, but if you look at this draft this year, they said Sternberger, if he would have came out in 2020, that he would have been the top tight end in the 2020 NFL draft. So essentially, you get a guy, I know he's drafted third, 75th overall in 2019. Didn't really see much of him besides that playoff game where he did score a touchdown. But in a draft where they didn't get any skill position besides, you know, A.J. Dillon and I guess Josiah DeGuara, but these are for future. Sternberger, if you were to get Sternberger in this draft, wouldn't you wouldn't fans have been more comfortable with what Brian Gutekunst drafted and did? Well, I think they'd be happier with the draft, obviously. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. But... I think you have to put Sternberger up there as one of the guys that you need a breakout season from or are expecting a breakout season from just because of the lack of guys around the Packers' skilled positions. Because mm-hmm. we, we kind of touched on this last segment. You have Devontae Adams. You know what he is. You have Aaron Jones when healthy. You know what he is. Jamal Williams. You basically know what he is. He's a backup running back, but he's he's a nice piece. Yeah, he's a nice – I like Jamal Williams. Very, then you, nice you look at the other receivers down the list. You know exactly what Funchess is. He's a guy that's been in the league for, what, four or five years. You know kind of what you're getting out of him. And then you start to look around and you go, well, Lazard looked good for six games. He could be a breakout candidate. Yeah. You look at – well, St. Brown really hasn't played much, but he's shown flashes the few games he's played the last two years. He could potentially be a breakout candidate if he stays healthy. And then you look at guys that are below that. Jake Kumro, does he have breakout 
written on him at all? No. No. <laughs> you know exactly what he is. MVS. Oh, well, hang on. Let me rephrase it. Yes, but in preseason. Not even then. <laughs> MVS. He's fast. He's fast. He's shown, he could hang on to the ball. He's shown flashes year one. I, I will say MVS to me has potential for breakout. I he's training with Randy Moss. He's training with Randy Moss. I'll just say that. If I paid enough money, I bet I could go trade with Randy Moss. <laughs> I don't want to go fishing and with Randy Moss. And there ain't going to be no breakout in the NFL for me. I, I say MVS, in my humble opinion, has the potential to do have, a, have some breakout. I can see it, but I don't believe in him. I feel like when you're a first, it's hard for me when you're a fir, like a first-year player and you have some success, and then your second year you completely fall off the face of the earth and it looks like you've actually regressed. Mm. I find it hard to believe that all of a sudden in your third year you're going to catch on again. I want to see the gradual increase. I want to see a guy that, oh, there's some flashes year one, more in year two. MVS definitely didn't do that. Yeah, there, I'm not, there I'm was not, a couple times outside of that, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent ready to write him off. Obviously, I think this, but I think this is officially his last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he's not up there in the top three for potential breakout candidates in my mind. Top three potential breakout candidates: Jay Sternberger for sure. Alan Lazard. I would go Sternberger one, Lazard two. Yep. St. Brown three. St. Brown basically just because we haven't seen him stay healthy at all. And we've seen MVS and Kumro healthy and we know closer to what they are. Yeah. And then there's Funchess. We already know what he is. Yeah. He'll be like a solid three, maybe a two. Probably more of a three, you'd say. And he's, he's, he's not a guy I would expect to break out and all of a sudden be like this big time pro bowler. I think he'll be a very serviceable, solid, you know, veteran. Uh, Schrade says Tyler Irvin. Yeah, but I feel like he's limited, right? Like, he's a guy that's like a scat, scat back running back that he's going to be out there on third downs. Might be able to maybe, maybe some plays out of the slot, but he's basically a kick and punt returner. Yeah. Let me ask you, Nelly, with the virtual workouts and not being able to go into the facilities, which they're starting to trickle in now. Uh, I just heard Matt LaFleur talking about it. Does this set back? Does this make the Packers, does it set them back and have uh, possibly spell not as much success moving forward in the 2020 season? I don't think so. Wasn't it? It was right around draft time. I think it was talked about a little bit in the media. I think we might have touched on it a tad. Wasn't kind of a Someone's opinion was that the the Packers maybe didn't go after some of these young receivers because they figured that some of these uh, workouts and training camps might be canceled. So they want to stick with guys that are already somewhat familiar with the system and not have to come in, be a rookie, try and learn all the plays, learn all the system in a shortened type format. You're, I, yeah, I remember something briefly, like that. Yeah, I, do, do you buy that though? Do you buy that they didn't draft any wide receiver in the deepest draft class ever out of fear of the coronavirus of them not being able to catch on quick? I personally don't believe I don't, that. I don't believe it. But I can see if someone wants to try and use that for some reasoning as to why they're not. Yeah. Because it would make a little bit of sense, right? That you want guys that are more familiar, especially if a lot of this stuff got canceled. So I, I get it. But at some point, you need the talent. 
You do. Here's speaking of Matt Lafleur and and you know the pandemic and the rookie class. Here is him talking about if it's setting them back or not. I do think it puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage, but that is one thing. Uh, provided training camp starts on time, you're allowed to bring the rookies in a week early. That's something that we'll certainly do to try to get them acclimated, to introduce them to some of the stuff that we want them to do on the field. So Lafleur thinks it put them puts them behind just a little bit, but. Thank, well, not thankfully, but I guess I don't know what else to say there. It affects every team the same, essentially, doesn't it? Because yes. everyone, the NFL would not allow people to come back until all states where NFL franchises are were allowed to have their people back in the facilities. Like the NBA, they were letting people come back if your restrictions were loosened in the state you were in. So remember, some states had players coming back already practicing while the likes of Chris Middleton, Giannis Dendekumbo, and company couldn't because Wisconsin was locked down longer. In the NFL, they made it so everyone was on an equal playing field. So it affects everyone the same, essentially. But at, at least the Packers at the skilled position, pretty much everyone has at least one to two years in the system outside of Devin Funches, but Funches is a known veteran. Yes. I don't. I don't personally buy it. But if that's the narrative that Goody and LaFleur are trying to sell, well, I guess we'll see on the field, right? Yeah, here's some more from LaFleur. We will see it on the field on the virtual meetings they've been having. Our guys have taken a lot from it. I think that our coaches have done a great job of being creative because it can get a bit monotonous uh, being on Zoom meetings for a long period of time. But our guys have done a good job, and I think our player participation has been 100%. So I'm really excited to see when we finally get these guys back in the building, you know, how much they retain from this. So, I mean, LaFleur just says what LaFleur needs to say, you know. It is a different way of learning and a different way of growing as an organization and as a team, I guess. But Zoom meetings. I haven't done many Zoom meetings. I've had to do a few. I don't know. Have you done any? I don't think you've done any, I've, have you? No. I'll say this. You're not missing much. I've watched you have a Zoom meeting. <laughs> How was that for you? It was great. You guys did. You guys did well. I mean, the biggest thing about Zoom meetings for me was if someone came on and they were able to figure out how to change their background to some different venue. Like I had a Zoom meeting, a guy looked like he was at a strip club. There was no scandalous women behind him. It was just like the you just saw like a pole in the club. There was no people. Another person had what? Like they were like in some uh, bar setting. That was the biggest to do with a Zoom meeting. How'd you change the, your background? How did you, whoa, how'd you get that? How cool. Other than that, Zoom meeting, who cares? Not for me. Not for the NFL. What are you gonna, how much are you going to learn from a Zoom meeting in the NFL? How are you going to run around via Zoom conference? Well, that's, that's kind of <laughs> what I was getting at with. When does this ultimately just boil down into talent and being flat out just better than the guy across from you? Yeah, you need the talent. Like, Jake Kumro, MVS, those type of guys can sit there and have multiple years in a system, know the playbook, know all know all the hot calls, know, you know, know everything. Hot route. Be, hot be route. on the same page with What's Aaron Rodgers. Route? Yeah. But then... Well, he's good on the how, same page with Aaron Rodgers. You study your playbook. Yeah, but how far does that go until you had 
you know, say they drafted a rookie in the first round that by all accounts is going to be a really good receiver. How far does that go versus the new kid on the block just straight up being faster, more athletic, well, and a better football player than you? I wonder how much this hurts the players that have been around for a while because when you, you had Mike McCarthy's system in there for so long, and then Matt LaFleur comes in with a brand new system, and then you see in the draft a brand new philosophical change of the players they want to bring in. And I'm not going to sugarcoat in anything here. The offense for the Packers last year was suspect a lot at times. They were, what, middle of the road, if that, at best? Well, like, the, the you need more time with this offense for them to figure it out. Mike McCarthy's fingerprints were all over everything for so long. Now you have Matt LaFleur, first year as a head coach, first time of him implement as a head coach implementing his system, and look at the regression it had. The tw- uh, Now I know in Mike McCarthy's last year, remember that last year, how bad it was, Nelly? The offense was actually better then than it was last year. Yeah, and and you know how if we go back to the NFC Championship game against the Falcons, mm-hmm. so we've talked about this multiple times on the show. Ladarius Gunter was covering Julio Jones. Mm. That's just I Ladarius, just feel bad for I just feel bad for Gunter over there. Ladarius Gunter was an undrafted free agent. Julio Jones was a first round pick. I just feel for obviously Gunter. Julio Jones was a much more gifted athlete yeah, than Ladarius a, Gunter. Just a little bit. Like that's kind of my point with these receivers. You have an undrafted free agent in Jake Kumro. You have a lower round draft in MVS. These guys, even though they might know the playbook and they might well, be MBS out was there, fifth round, yeah. yeah, they might be out there and they've had some experience. You always want the guy that's more athletic, that's better at oh, what yeah. he does, because you can be smarter than him. You can know all the different techniques and the ins and outs, but when it comes straight down to athletic ability, Are you, you can't hang with him because you're just not as gifted as him. Are you as quick as him? Didn't, I Are think, you faster than him? I think McCarthy finally... I think, didn't he say it, where him and uh, Jerry Jones were on the same page for this year's draft because McCarthy said, I don't care about scheme. I don't care about fit. Mm-hmm. Get me the player, and I'll find the fit. Oh, yeah. Why do you think McCarthy was brimming ear to ear for the first time in his freaking career as GM selected a wide receiver in the first round? So the Packers, <laughs> the Packers decided not to switch up their receiving core much at all besides adding – Funches. Mm-hmm. Well, they really didn't change their defensive line either, right? It's basically been the same guys the last two ish years, mm-hmm. maybe more for some of them. What happened to that line against the San Francisco 49ers who are physical Oof. and technical? They got absolutely pounded. <laughs> they got demolished. Now, they didn't change anything on that line. Well, these guys have been in the system. They know it. They're learning it. They're going to continue to get better. Are they? Or are they just going to continue to get lumped up by good offensive lines? Interesting. I got a tweet from Gavin I'm going to read first, but let's go to the phone, 608-321-1670. Welcome on into the show. Who do I got? Z and the D. Z and the D, Zach and the Dells. What's up, baby? Oh, God. Tell Rowdy. Rowdy, I'm in pain from lacrosse. Oh, is that what that uh, the Harvard of the Midwest? Did I see you uh, yeah. sip, sipping some scissor up in lacrosse? Yes, I was. Uh, I went to Shooters, watched the Super Bowl. Oh, man. And the Packers won. Yeah, I won some good money off of that. <laughs> Zach, I super partied on Saturday, and I was in the Hurt Locker all Sunday. Yeah, I didn't know my back could feel this pain, but yeah. And then 
of course, my motorcycle takes a crap outside of Toma, so I had to get towed. And yeah, what was that story? Did someone come help you out then, or what? Yeah, some random guy just helped me out outside of uh, Camp Douglas. My bike tipped over on the trailer, so he helped me tip it back up, and then he showed me how to uh, tighten the ropes to make it correctly stand up. So it was perfect. I mean, just some random guy. I mean, so my message to everyone that's listening is just be nice to people, be kind. Uh, it will help you out in the long run. What a so, novel concept. Yeah, here's I, mean, a, I was always treated like I was always, you know, taught this as a kid, the golden rule: treat others how you want to be treated. Exactly. Pretty, pretty yeah. simple. Pretty simple, but yeah, that's all I had to say. That I had to get that out off of my chest. I mean, that was, I mean, and especially when your bike tips over or you're having a crappy day. Well, I wasn't having a crappy day. I knew it was gonna happen. Well, which is the funny thing is, <laughs> every time I go to like the cross area, one of my like a vehicle of mine either has to get towed. Or something happens. So, Sounds like you should avoid lacrosse. Well, like this time, like six years ago, my car had to get towed because the engine took a crap. So I think every time in June, I'm going to avoid lacrosse all in general. <laughs> Sounds like a, not a bad plan. Yeah. So otherwise, yeah, the Packers, they didn't do much to bolster their defensive line, but maybe another year in the system will change that. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping Sternberger comes out to be that uh, top tight end that we want. Yeah, same, man. Hey, Zach, so, I got you know, I know you're a big fan of Monks, right? Oh, yeah. I used to work there. I went to Monks in Sun Prairie on Friday, and it was awesome. The patio was open. There was people at tables. I got to have a beer and a burger. It was, yep. uh, it was beautiful, man. It was nice. And guess what? I'm, I, I practiced safe social distancing. I wasn't an a-hole. I didn't lick and any doorknobs. Oh, I did not actually have a spotted cow. Oh. I thought about a bloody, but I had the spotted cow. I was just feeling it, man. Patio, you know. And then, uh, yeah. and I'm fine. I'm the pinnacle of health. Look at that. Yeah. See, I, I was out in lacrosse, and I'm just in pain from being old and thinking I can dance still. And oh, dude, I feel yeah. you, man. Saturday was a but, super party for me. Thanks, Zach. All right, later, guys. See you, buddy. Yeah, Sternberger there for Zach as well. I think Sternberger's the main. Like, we want this guy to finally get that production on a tight end. Marty B, wasn't it? Jimmy Graham, wasn't it? Oh, at, at least maybe they've learned their lesson that you can't go after guys that are past their prime. <laughs> Jeez. For, well, in Jimmy Graham's case, big time money. What was, I want to know. And then he got another contract. Yeah, the Bears, just idiots. Eight million a year. And unbelievable. What was Ted trying to do with Martellus Bennett, by the way? That was, was that Ted's like last swan song of being. Hey, look at me. I can dip into free agency. You guys ever heard of this Martellus Bennett? He stunk. He tried to throw Dr. McKenzie under the bus about rushing him back from injury. Dr. McKenzie, who is an award-winning doctor in the NFL, who is known as the most conservative. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about rushing people back from injury. One of the most conservative doctors out there. Martellus Bennett is trying to throw him under the bus. But what do we know about the Bennett brothers? They lie. All I know is that when you're looking around at tight ends that Aaron Rodgers has played with and Jared Cook's the best one in about a decade. And we're not talking Jared Cook in his prime. No, we're talking about Jared Cook that was hurt for like half a season. (laughs) And it was one year. Then you have to go back to Jermichael Finley. And Mm -hmm. I know some people love Finley. I wasn't as big of a Finley fan. I like Finley. But gosh, was he... Ten times better than anything else they've had. Right? And boy, that was a long time ago. 
a decade. <laughs> oh, in I a, did in like the, in the Mercedes last, Lewis at least could throw a block. In the last decade, you've had one half of a season from Jared Cook of respectable tight end play. Mercedes Lewis can throw a block. Lance Kendricks, that was uh, a feel-good story from a Wisconsin player coming to Green Bay, but what is what did he really do? Nothing. Jimmy Graham, that was a waste Jimmy of Gra- money. Jimmy Graham's only good production was that Seahawks playoff game. Uh, Richard Rodgers. Dick Rodgers, Motown Miracle. I don't even think he's currently employed. I think he was with the Eagles. I don't know if he's still on a roster right now. Uh, Dick Rodgers is... Oop, I do not want the American composer. Nope. He's dead. Dick Rogers, though, he is on the oh, the Washington Redskins. So he did get signed. There you go. There it is. Yeah. Obviously, Tom Crabtree, he was around the same time as Finley. It's not like he was that great. Andrew Corliss, come on. <laughs> Andrew I mean, Corliss's claim going. to fame was he was trying to impress some women outside of a parking lot in Florida, and he fired a gun in the air a bunch. And then when the cops came, he tried to hide the gun um, in a plant pot. Um, Bostic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Some of these tight ends. Well, yeah. Packers have had half a season of it's good tight end It's time for play. Jay Sternberger to rise. If he could only just follow through on an interview, that'd be even better. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, so I got a tweet here from our guy Gavin. What's up, Gav? Hope you had a good weekend, man. He tweets me, my Twitter account, at Ebo says. Gavin says, Sternberger led all tight ends in yards per reception as last year in college. He will be a dynamic player. And his sleeper pick, now it's not for year two, but it's year one. His sleeper pick is... John Runyon Jr. He'll be starting before the end of the season, says Gavin. And in case you missed it, over the weekend, the Packers did finally come to an agreement on his rookie contract. So that's now four of their nine draft picks that they have inked up. And Runyon, six foot four, 300 pounds. That's a big boy. Started 25 games at Michigan. He was named first team All Big Ten as a junior and a senior. A left tackle in college. Runyon is likely to see time at guard with the Packers. He's also the son of former All Pro lineman John Runyon, Sr., who started 192 games over his career with Houston, Philadelphia, and San Diego. Now a congressman, if I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well done, Rowdy. Let's 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 look that up. John Runyon Sr. Indeed, a representative for New Jersey's third congr- uh, congressional district from 2011 to 2015. So he was in there for a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's your take on Gavin? Well, my biggest question for him is who does he think's gonna fail? You does got he think Stepaniak? it's gonna, Well, no, no, no. I'm saying like on the if he thinks he's gonna be starting. Oh. By the end of the year, is it going to be Billy Turner or Ricky Wagner? It's Rick Wagner now, by the way. He's 30. He dropped the Y. It's Rick. Because one, one of those two guys would have to be. Who do you think is going to have more success, Billy Turner or Rick Wagner? I honestly don't know. Because they're not going to move. They're obviously not going to move uh, Lindsley. They're not going to move. Well, Jenkins, you're not going to move Bakhtiari. If I remember correctly, Rick Wagner's, according to Pro Football Focus, 
every year his grade has gotten lower and lower. It's it's like a steady decline if you look at his uh, rating. Let's not act like Billy Turner is some world beater, though, either. I, I'm not, but yes, <laughs> point taken. <laughs> Both guys at this point are just serviceable. Is that all you need, though, is, well, is serviceable? I mean, if Rick Wagner fails in this scenario, you bring in Runyon to play guard and you'd kick Billy Turner out to play right tackle. Yeah. But if Billy Turner fails, then you'd just simply plug in Runyon in this scenario. At least there's options, right? But that's, that's a good thing to have. That's all depending on the fact that John Runyon can come in and play at that level. I, I know a lot of people like him. I'm, I'd be in that same same party, but we still don't actually know if he can play. And speaking of if guys can play or not, now Packers head coach Matt LaFleur had a Zoom meeting on Friday with um, reporters and whatnot, and LaFleur did say he's doubtful that he will hold any mandatory workouts between now and June 26th when the off-season program must end. He said if anything opens up, it will be voluntary. Now, is this voluntary a wink-wink voluntary? Or when you hear LaFleur saying he's very doubtful that the Packers are going to hold mandatory workouts between now and June 26th? I think you only get the wink-wink mandatory in college. Yeah. Once you become a professional, it really is on you. I think if you are a professional, if they are voluntary, you need to be there and you have to be working out. Because if you're not, the rest of your team is like, dude, what the hell? I'm actually kind of the opposite on that. If, I think if, if you're, I if I was if I was on an NFL team, I would be there for voluntary workouts. I think if you're a professional and it's voluntary, it really means it's voluntary. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you should. You only show up if you want to show up. But then that also means when you do show up, you better be ready. If you didn't go to those voluntary practices because you said you didn't need to or you're doing other things, you better show up and be ready because that's part of your responsibility. Now, if I was on a football team, which would be freaking awesome, I'd love that money. I would love, I would just love the money. If I was on that team and I was a leader or a captain or someone who was a veteran, I would be at the voluntary workouts and I'd be getting everyone else to come with me to the voluntary workouts because the more effort and time you put in towards something, the more hard work you put in, the more it's lower likely to pay off. But that's, I mean, we just watched the last dance of Michael Jordan. But that's where it comes into money. True. But in the last dance of Michael Jordan, when they lost, when the Bulls lost, immediately the next day, and we had our guy Eric Helland on, the strength and conditioning coach, he said as they were on the bus coming back from their – their Eastern Conference Finals loss. They said, F it, we're not doing this again. And the next day, they're all in the gym. But putting then, in the work for voluntary workouts. You can, that's Michael Jordan. You can say that, but then you can also look at that team and, and mention the flip side about how Dennis Rodman was not doing anything voluntary. Especially but he at, was there. Especially at certain times during that season. I mean, he was there for the majority of it, but during the season, then, during the season when it became no, no longer voluntary, it was mandatory. Then he was like, "Yo, coach, I gotta go escape for a couple days here. Me and my girl, uh, me and my girl, Tara, gotta go to Vegas for a bit." Phil Jackson, like, all right, but he was there for the voluntary stuff. I would just, if you want to put something in towards a championship or something to be at a high level, you got to put in the work. I just voluntary or mandatory. I just think like kind of the the perspective that you're giving is it 
is expected at college because everyone's still working to make that next level, working to be a great team. I feel like once you hit the pros, some guys are still in that mindset. Other guys are just about their own coin. Well, do you want to become complacent? Once you get to that level of professionalism, some guys work even harder and some guys become complacent. But that's that's also the guys that you notice last longer and guys that fall out yeah, of the league. The guys that become complacent, you're never going to win a championship with. The guys that stay hungry and go to the voluntary workouts are the ones I think, I don't think, I, you, I, I know you would want on your team. But also I do love, ooh, was it Carrion Johnson? I think it was Carrion Johnson, Detroit Lions running back. While uh, DeAndre Swift, the uh, was it second round pick for the Lions, running back out of Georgia, yeah, was posting all these Rashawn Gary esque type workout videos, <laughs> and people were like, "Oh, yeah, he's working out. He's going to be the next big thing. Like he's actually putting the time in." And then on the flip side, Carryon Johnson is posting pictures with his girlfriend on a beach on Instagram. <laughs> like definitely, I, saw, I remember definitely, those, yeah. definitely not working out. Yeah, and. People were blowing up his Instagram and social media talking about how he better be ready and he's not working out this offseason. <laughs> and, you know, Swift is. And then he comes back with, sorry, I don't have to videotape and broadcast myself working out every time I do. Just know I still am working out. Maybe just think of uh, Gary because he's got to <laughs> broadcast it every time he gets out there. And I kind of wanted to put a, you know, we haven't really had any bets lately. I mean, nothing to bet on. So what do you want to bet? What do you want to bet on? In that in that um, article, how many? What date was that? Matt Lafleur said those uh, voluntary practices are over June June twenty sixth. Okay, when so the offseason program must end. We have roughly eighteen days until then. Over or under, we'll go three and a half. Rashawn Gary posted video workouts. Now you're going to have to keep tabs on this because I'm blocked. Yeah, Rashawn Gary blocked Nelson on Twitter. All right, so over under on how many videos posted by Rashawn? Yeah, workout videos from now till then. I'm going to go three and a half. Now, there's a video here posted on June 4th, but it's of him. He's, He's walking in the parking garage of the Packers facilities, and he's got his track suit on. And then it transitions into him working out. Does that count as a workout video? Like how long is the video? 33 seconds. F- the first 10 seconds of it is him walking in the facilities. Yeah, we'd count that as a video. Then there's him doing some broad jumps. And then him running a 40-yard dash. Does that count as a we'll, workout we'll video? We'll count that. But it's, so it's been four days since he posted a workout video? Uh, Yes. I'm going to assume he hasn't worked out in four days. Well, hang on. I haven't scrolled down yet. So that was June 4th. We'll go to May 22nd. Here's him working out on a beach in sand and then some cone drills, some linebacker drills. So that's May 22nd. What What about pictures? Because here's May. I need videos. Here's May 18th of him working out, but there's still... They're still shots. They're pictures. I, I need videos. Come on, man. You've seen some All right, of those. May 15th, there's another video. <laughs> You've seen some of those social media people uh, helping out, uh, putting back together the cities and uh, cleaning stuff at, after the protests. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah, social yeah, yeah. medias where you have, like, the chick holding the drill. Yeah, who's pretending to who's do Who's pretending stuff? to, like, help put back this, like, whatever. And then so it's to help, behind yeah, it is just a dude taking a walls. picture yeah. for Instagram. She literally jumped out of her, her uh, Escalade. 
asked the guy, borrowed the guy's drill, said, can I pose with this? She posed with Posed, took the picture, took the picture, got out of there. Gave the guy's drill back, went back on her escalator and drove away. And then probably put on social media that she was uh, felt great to get out and help yeah, the community. Yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. Yeah, so I need videos. All right, well, we'll, still, we'll, still we'll tally pictures, up the videos. Still pictures, I mean, me and you could. We'll tally up the videos real quick. 608-321-6070, welcome on into the show. Who do I got? Ebo, it's your boy Gavin. What's up, Gavin? Yeah, what's up, my man? Long time no talk. How you living? Uh, I'm I'm living, Evo. How are you, brother? I'm also living. I got uh, here. I was hearing some Rashawn Gary talk. I figured I'd get a call in real <laughs> yeah, quick. Yeah, Gav. I mean, you're always vocal about the Packers. What's on your mind? So it, it was was uh, Nelly there talking about was it three and a half online posts or three and a half total sacks for the 2020 season for the number 12? <laughs> I think he was talking about videos I'm from just now till videos. June 26th. I'll take yeah, the under. I'm gonna take the under. I can't wait till uh, Joe gets back on. I can make another bet with him on over under sacks. Yeah, so, didn't you, you want to start at like eight and a half? Yeah, but you'll, can make that for you'll never years. get you'll never get paid up, dude. <laughs> um, See, this you is guys, the, so you're talking Ebo about second year breakouts. Were, were there people calling it or, or um, I saw taking C- Rashawn Gary for a second year because the so, fact that Gavin, real quick on CBSSports.com, they had an article of 22 breakout players. There was only two from the Packers. The first one was Jay Sternberger, and the second was Elton Jenkins. Well, Jenkins, I mean, you can't call him a breakout. He and, and Bakhtiari is, listen, he's incredible. Jenkins was right there with him last year. I mean, Jenkins was unbelievable. I don't know if he gave up a sack last year. He might, if he wasn't their best lineman, he was right there with Bakhtiari. Yeah, he's I mean, good. he's already broke out. Uh, but the fact is that we're talking about a third-round tight end as their breakout, and there sits the number 12 overall pick who should be getting a lot more snaps uh, this upcoming season, and then we're not even talking about him as a breakout. So it's, that's kind of crazy. We're all talking about Sternberger here and, and nothing on Gary. That's what I said. I'm like, he's the 12th overall pick, and we, yeah. they're not even mentioned. Yeah. In, in that draft, I mean, outside of Gary, the, the other three picks, because I, I, I am a big believer in Sternberger. I feel the same way about him that I did about Aaron Jones. Um, I really think Sternberger is going to be a big-time player. Same. Uh, outside of Gary, those, those first other three picks that they had, I mean, that, that's, that's right up there with the Saints draft. I mean, when you have a draft like that at the top, you know, if they'd have just taken, like, Brian Burns instead of Gary, I mean, that's, that's like a, a franchise-altering draft right there. Um, we won't talk about this last draft, but the, <laughs> for the draft before, I, I think it's looking really good, guys. Um, the reason I picked Runyon for this upcoming season, Nelly, is his versatility. I think on the offensive line, you're always going to have injuries. Packers got really, really lucky last year with the health on the offensive line. Uh, Wagner's had health issues. Um, I just don't think Billy Turner's that good. Out of the four, I'm with you there. Yeah, out of the four free agent signings that Goody made, I think that's the one he missed on. Um, but, you know, three out of four, I'll take it. I don't think Turner's that good. Uh, Runyon is just a really good player. I thought he should have been like a third or fourth round pick. Um, he's versatile. He can play tackle or guard. Uh, he played at a big-time program. He was really good at Michigan. I think he's going to be starting. Somebody will get hurt. He'll go in there. He'll plug in. He'll play. He'll be good, and they won't take him out. Yeah. Um, but it was crazy, guys. You guys were talking about the list of uh, tight ends for the Packers. I was thinking about that since Finley went down. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the safety position as well after Nick Collins got hurt. Oof. How many years did we go before they, they finally solidified that position? Remember guys like Jerron McMillan <laughs> and other guys in that position? I try, to forget, crazy. I try to forget some of those names, Gavin. It's kind of crazy how, how long, how stagnant the Packers were in, in some of those positions after big guys, uh, big time. Despite always down. drafting you know, defensive players. Yeah, and, and I agree with what Nelly was talking about earlier, and you've heard me say it before, Ebo. I, a wide receiver, I get it. People wanted a wide receiver. Um, the philosophy of this offense is changing. You guys can see that. Yeah. Um, as long as Devontae stays healthy, they'll be fine. Uh, Aaron Jones can catch. I think Sternberg's going to be good. I think Lazard's going to get better. Funches is fine in the red zone. 
it's that defensive line, guys. It's the same guys they've been playing for a while. Kenny Clark's a stud, but he needs help. Yeah, and they've and, been getting and, torched by the big teams. Yep, and they just don't have guys there. I mean, if Tyler Lancaster is playing, and he's starting, you're in trouble. So, but anyway, guys, wanted to call in and get some Packers talk. Gavin, always good to hear from you, bro. Yeah, take hey, care, Bryce. Gavin, isn't it funny that uh, your bet started at 8 and went down to 3.5 and, and you still won? Yeah, three and a half. And, and listen, uh, by the way, Joe, I think we were at four and a half for the year. I'll take that again with you, brother, all day this year. <laughs> Thanks, Gavin. Appreciate take it, care, man. Guys, See you, buddy. <laughs> Too funny. Well, the thing when you talk about the Packers defensive line is two of them are from Northwestern. Yeah. Lancaster and Lowry. Yeah. Do you ever remember them being problems when they played the Badgers? I mean, the biggest problem playing the Badgers was at Ryan Field. Like you, that, I don't remember. Like it was just dreary, crappy, gray weather. No one's in the stands, and the Badgers were their own worst enemy. Like to be Other co- than that, no. <laughs> to be completely honest, like I remember hearing Dean Lowry's name, you know, in other games. If I was flicking around channels with Northwestern, but I don't ever recall really a defensive player from Northwestern that you're like, man, I, I can't even think about the Badgers playing him yeah. this week. Yeah. Those are now two of your guys on your starting defensive line that just got completely railroaded by San Francisco. Not once, but twice. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, (laughs) never get fooled again.